Hello. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Space Flicks, the podcast where we review a movie and decide if it's worth the cost of beaming out to a lonely astronaut in space. It's lonely and cold in space, and you need movies to keep you warm. It sure is. So this week, this episode, we're going to be talking about Ready or Not, the latest movie from, I don't even know the directors. Uh, Matt Bettinelli, Olpen, and Tyler Gillett. Okay. Starring Samara Weaving? Is that how you pronounce her name? I don't know, but that's certainly how you spell it. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Starring Samara Weaving. So, uh, and Adam Brody. Uh, yeah, uh, among other people. Yeah, a variety of characters. Probably the most other. Andy f- McDowell. Yeah, Andy McDowell is probably the second, the most famous the most person famous, in this cast. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, just off the top, I kind of gave away. I didn't even know who the directors were. I don't know how to pronounce the actors' names. Um, so I, uh, I didn't know a whole lot going into this movie. Uh, I also hadn't seen a trailer. I, I really knew. This is about as little as one can know about a movie going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think all I knew was what the poster looked like mm-hmm. and that it was... I was pretty confident it was in the horror genre, but I don't even know that I knew that for sure. Um, I think yep. maybe the poster had some blood in it or something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I had, like, no expectations to speak of. What about you? Um, I, I knew it was sort of a, a genre mashup. There was, there was horror. I knew there was horror. I knew there was action. I knew there was comedy. Um, and that, and I knew that basically it's, a a, a bride besieged, mm-hmm. right? That was basically what I, what I knew. But again, yeah, I didn't know anything about these directors. Uh, my understanding after the fact is that they basically have made a bunch of viral YouTube videos. Oh, interesting. Right. Um, but not a lot of film credits to speak of. So do, do they have any film credit? Like, have they made any motion pictures before this? <laughs> Yes, they. Uh, so let's use uh, Tyler Gillett as our example here. He was the director of a film called Books in 2011, um, Books. which is looks like a short. F- oh, it's a, it's an episode of a TV show. Um, that is not a motion. Picture. Sorry, it says director. Um, so yeah, not nothing. There don't look to be any certainly noteworthy, nothing big. Yeah, no, no noteworthy. Okay. Okay. But uh, but ready or not, then presumably, seemingly their first. I think uh, it's one of their first full length film. Uh, yeah, released in theaters. I think yeah, there are some smaller movies called Southbound and Devils Do, which look to be horror movies that are you know an hour and a half long. Okay. Um. So not their first rodeo then. Yeah, from 2014 to 2015. Um. So some horror films in the backlog, but um, you know. But not not a ton of credits, and certainly none that I believe are as uh, broadly marketed as this one is. Right. Yeah. Well, you say, it's funny you say that. Uh, I don't think I saw any advertising for this movie, so uh, I really only knew it was a movie because it was playing at our local theater. Mm. That's that's it. <laughs> was this movie like? Did you see marketing for this movie on, like, the on YouTube in, or on, on the TV? Internet, or? I did. Like yeah. I would like on Twitter. Okay. I would see ads, right? Or oh, like on Twitter, interesting. Okay. Um, but I don't. I don't recall ever. I don't really watch TV, like like real legit TV. Right. So I didn't really see anything there. Yeah, so yeah. maybe a YouTube ad 
Yeah, right. it's funny. I used to watch movie trailers. Like, I would go to Apple. Don't they have QuickTime? You know, they have uh, yep. a whole page of movie trailers, and yep. I would watch those. I feel like in college, I would sort of check out what was coming up. I don't really do that ever anymore, so the only way that I'm aware of movies coming out is either seeing trailers, like, on YouTube or in the theater. Yeah. So I never saw a trailer for this in either of those contexts. Um but I will say, coming out, uh, maybe it was good that I had no expectations, but uh, I really enjoyed it, and I think you did too. Yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Um, and I think the the trend of watching fewer movie trailers and reading fewer things mm-hmm. about movies before I see them yeah. has greatly increased my enjoyment of the movies that I see. had a positive impact. Did yeah. you used to, would, in the past, would you read, like... Full movie reviews and stuff yeah, before seeing a movie. I would to the point where I I, re, I remember exactly when it reached an adir and I decided to stop doing it. Mm-hmm. Mean, meaning when you when you recognized you had a problem, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when my addiction was actually spoiling my quality of life, um, I remember seeing the movie The Royal Tenenbaums and knowing just by having read so many different things uh-huh. about it, uh-huh. knowing basically the entire plot of the movie. Right? Because yeah, because even. Any full review, even if they're, like, avoiding spoilers, they'll just let a couple little details slip yep. in the course of trying to describe it. And if you read enough reviews, yep. then a bunch of different people, uh, different critics, will le- let a bunch of different little details slip, such yep. that it sounds like in the case of the Royal Tenenbaums, you've just been able to piece it all together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I, w- I, would ha- I had read reviews, and I knew, that I was like, I know there's going to be a scene where mm-hmm. this guy does this thing, right? And I'm watching the movie waiting yeah. for something to happen, and I'm like, that is absolutely stupid. Like, I realized, I mean, put it this way, maybe it is or isn't stupid, that's sort of totally subjective, but um, I knew that it was, like, avidly ruining my enjoyment of yeah the it was it was ru- it was ruining them for you right I do know I don't relate to this but I do know some people um, possibly even people in our family mm-hmm. like like to know how a movie's gonna go before they even see it yep um, like I said I don't relate to that at all I feel like that kind of ruins it for me or at least I should say for some types of movies like a like an M. Night Shyamalan movie if someone yeah. tells me how it ends I'm like well that's kind of it's kind of the point of the movie, right? you know. If it's like a character-driven movie, and someone's to tell me like, "Oh, in the end, you know, they're gonna break up or whatever," but you know, that that might not not necessarily ruin the movie, um, depending on what the movie's trying to do. But I mean, yeah, I I feel I don't think I had quite that same experience because I don't know that I'd ever seen a movie where I was able to piece it all together just from reading stuff ahead of time, but. I definitely read less than I used to, which is at this point essentially like nothing. I I read almost nothing. If I read anything about a movie, it's just um like the paragraph, you know, like the few sentences that like Rotten Tomatoes might capture from what a person says. It's not I don't read full reviews. Right. I it's funny. I don't read full reviews before the movie. Oh, you read them after. I read a ton potentially oh, after the movie. I'm I assume for, you know, 
movies that you really love. Yeah, the, generally, you don't like hate read I don't, <laughs> reviews of movies you don't like. Do you? Right, I don't, and I also don't read reviews um, because I want to somebody to tell me that it was good. What I like reading is more is more um, people thinking about the movie, much mm-hmm. in the same vein of this podcast, right? Yeah. Like I like to hear people think about something that I find interesting because I like hearing different people's thoughts about something that I found enriching and rewarding, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like I, I think I like analysis. Like sometimes I really like a movie, mm-hmm. but I don't I, I might not have necessarily put a ton of thought into what it was trying to say or what the symbolism in it might be and I mean, frankly talking to you is another example of sometimes you'll be like, "Well, I think the movie's clearly, you know, drawing a parallel to this or whatever." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. smart." Well, that and that's exact and I mean, that's why I like doing this podcast and that's why I like listening to and reading what other people have to say about stuff that I find interesting because mm-hmm. their points of view enrich the text for yeah, me. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They might they might have a like an interpretation that didn't occur to you or something. Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we both benefited from our, uh, current philosophy of not spoiling a movie by reading too much or, or acquainting yourself too much with like, you know, any, any detailed information about it coming in. And I think that means we were both probably pretty, pretty surprised throughout Mm -hmm. the movie. We Mm -hmm. didn't know what was going to happen. Um, for me, I I wonder if you felt this way, even like the tone of the movie, I, I wasn't. Since since I hadn't seen a trailer or anything, mm-hmm. I kind of didn't know like is this going to be a straight up scary movie? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be like a suspenseful thriller kind of movie? Mm-hmm. Turns out it's got quite a lot of humor to it. Yeah, um, for sure. Which after seeing the movie, we agreed, uh, or I don't know if we agreed this. I made an assertion that there's kind of like two. I view it almost as like a uh, like a tree. Like there's two there's two main branches of the tree of horror movies, mm-hmm. which are like the the super serious ones that take themselves very seriously. Like I gave as an example, Hereditary, mm-hmm. not funny at all. But mm-hmm. then the movies that I feel like I want to say we grew up with, although either neither of us really watched a lot of horror movies. But the movies that were popular, I would say, with our generation growing up, um, like Scream or mm-hmm. I Know What You Did Last Summer, mm-hmm. they're a little more campy. I think right. those movies they tend to have a lot of humor in them. Right. Kind of it's almost part of the formula, part of the structure of it is, you know, you kind of scare the audience and then you relieve the tension with some humor. Right. And then you and then you build up the suspense and you scare them again, you relieve the tension with some humor. Yep. Um and this I feel like belongs to that genus of <laughs> right. uh, yeah. of of horror. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and pulls it off. Great. I think the 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 premise is kind of silly. <laughs> And then the totally, and then the, the there's lots of good characters with lots of silly moments in them. Yeah, I, and I think that was really what um, when we were looking at movies to go see. Um, I think we were looking at one movie that I sort of imagined to be somewhat humorless and airless, mm-hmm. right? And I was like, this one seems like a blast, right? <laughs> like the, more you know, in the mood for a fun movie. Um, and so, I, yeah, I definitely uh, am. I. You can do a lot to me in a movie if it's funny, mm-hmm. right? I, I'm, willing, sure, yeah. I'm willing to I'm willing to sit through a lot of stuff if it's funny. Yeah, a movie earns your goodwill by making you laugh, right? Where you know, I feel like even if it's a bad movie, you know, like um, 
obviously if it's a comedy you want to laugh but even if a movie's kind of a bad movie yeah but has lots of legitimately funny moments for sure you'll leave feeling like you didn't waste your time totally it's much riskier probably to your point to see a movie that's trying to be very deep or serious Mm -hmm. because if it doesn't pull it off then it does just feel like a total waste of time yeah and maybe i'm just becoming like a grump but you know something that i've noticed about myself is as an example like i used to watch a lot of stand-up comedy and laugh a lot Mm -hmm. and now when i turn on a stand-up comedy special i just find them to be um sort of flailing and I, I just don't laugh very frequently. Mm. And so I feel like I'm, I'm still as hungry for comedy as I've always been, but just for whatever reason, my, like m- I'm not connecting with a lot of comedy the same way that I hmm. maybe used to. And so, um, so when I see something that genuinely makes me laugh frequently, it's like that much more enjoyable because I feel like I've somehow become like a grumpier, less, more humorless person mm-hmm. over time. <laughs> and so like it's taking you back to your, your former self, because I, you know, I believe the one that could experience joy. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, cause I believe <laughs> that I love to laugh. I just feel like I just experience it less. Well, I definitely remember moments in this movie where we both laughed. So, but we'll get to those, yeah. um, in the, in the end of the episode. So, so we both were, uh, were quite pleased with the movie, and I think that's enough to say about that until we get into spoilers. Yep. Um, next up is Box Office. Okay. Uh, do you have any idea? How okay, I'm gonna, guess, I'm gonna guess this movie Opening cost... Weekend. I'm gonna, I always like to think in terms of cost. Sure, what it, what it cost to make. So, I'm gonna guess this movie cost, I don't know, 20 million bucks less okay. to make. And that it made opening weekend $12 million. Uh, so I looked it up, and I believe that it made, uh, you're very close to what it made. I think it made about $11 million mm-hmm. in its opening weekend. But I think it only, I think I read that it only cost like $6 million Okay. To me. Yeah. That, I, I buy that. Um, so, I, I mean, I could be... I, one thing I, I I definitely remember for sure from looking it up is that it definitely made plenty of money. Okay, for great. for what it cost to make. Great. Um, maybe it cost ten million. I don't know, but it it made uh, it made its budget back. I think up till now it's made close to like thirty million domestic. Okay. Great. Um, which yeah, it's uh for a movie with such a small budget. You know, this is a Fox Searchlight movie. Yep. I think that's uh, that's the division of Fox. You mean the Disney Corporation? That's right, right. yeah. Prior to uh, the Disney acquisition that made like small budget, more indie movies. Totally. And uh, yeah, I think from based on the budget, you know, and what they were going for, it sounds like it was quite a success. So I think that's great. Um, you know, I'm, I, it's almost, it's, it's kind of better than I would have expected going into before I looked up the actual numbers, mm-hmm. because like I said, I just had heard nothing about this movie yeah. and it also doesn't really have any big stars or anything. Yeah. Um, but you know, if, I guess if the, if the marketing made it look like a fun, you know, uh, enjoyable, scary movie, mm-hmm. people like those. Yep. So, uh, so anyway, did pretty well, it seems. And definitely made its money back, and hopefully that will help these directors go on to make the next fun, entertaining, yeah, scary movie. If they can make me laugh again, I'll I'll sign up for sure. Yep. Uh, so next, we normally talk about the themes of the movie. Hmm. 
this movie <laughs> has definitely i mean it's got some themes i don't think it's like a deep movie but right. but right the to me it seems like the main theme is it's all about this family right this this uh this family this dynastic that has a family. dynasty yeah, yeah. they're uh they're a, they're a gaming dynasty um from board games to, I guess... Yeah, it seems like board games, card games... And then they thing. own sports franchises, too. That's right. Actually, that, I think it's implied that's what kind of got them into the big leagues in terms of wealth. Uh, sure, but I think... Well, I think the... I don't know if it's implied or the not. The tabletop actually. games that was my industry was what gave them the wealth to buy a right. sport, multiple sports teams, right? Um, so it's a gaming... Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a family that's very wealthy, and, you know, the premise of the movie ultimately is Le that... Le Domas. The Le Domas <laughs> family. Um, the premise of the movie, which uh, is, I'm, I'm probably not spoiling anything because I'm pretty sure this is in... I'm guessing this must be in the marketing. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, why would people even come to see this The movie? basic encapsulation for the plot. A bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game. Right. So, um, so it's all about being initiated into this family. Mm-hmm. Um, it requires, as it says, participation in this terrifying game. And throughout the movie... I think, I mean, I think if the movie does have a message or a theme, it's pretty much about how people at a certain level of wealth, like this family, mm-hmm. how they kind of operate by different rules, mm-hmm. and they have, they basically have their own world, and people outside of that world are kind of not welcome, or if they are welcome, it's at a, at or if they are allowed to enter, it's at like a great potentially moral cost. Yeah, there is a hazing. There's a mm-hmm. initiation into this world. Yeah, well, I would say not just a hazing. It's like, I mean, without giving too much away, there's sort of a deal with the devil that you make, right? Mm-hmm. Which yep. sort of reminds me, in a way, about Sorry to Bother You. We yep. talked about that having a similar theme where you don't just get wealthy by like working hard and being an honest hard worker. Right. It's like part of getting wealthy involves making a great sacrifice of your morals. Yeah. Uh, and potentially, I don't know that this movie presents it so much as a sacrifice. It's a little bit more of a bargain, right? A, a bargain with, with the devil, literally or figuratively. Right. You're, but you're giving away, I mean, I think in the same vein as Sorry to Bother You, Sorry to Bother You was sort of structured around the idea of incrementally giving small pieces of yourself away until mm-hmm. they were all gone. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie, there is more like a, a single grand bargain. That yes. you make, yeah. right? Um, and the the cha- the interesting part with this movie is some of the participants probably um, kind of unknowingly made that bargain, mm-hmm. right? Um, <laughs> Which I think is is handled in a pretty funny way, right? So I I think that that's a very notable difference in this particular movie. Um, and we once we start once we get to spoiler territory, we can start talking about like the details of that. But that it definitely does feel like you're right on with the theme as far as like the rich are different, right? And this movie explores um, some of the ways in which they are different, including like they are they operate an entirely different dimension of morality, right? Yep. And um, and how that is in some ways horrifying, or can be horrifying. Yeah. So I, I mean, any other themes besides that? come to mind well i definitely think uh something that goes throughout the film and is a question at the very front and answered at the very end is the idea of 
the family you're born into versus the family you choose. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, um, it's there. It very, I think the movie takes a very strong stance, uh, around what is, what is important there. Ultimately the family you choose, the family you choose is, is the important. I mean, the family you're born into in this movie is very much the face of evil. Right. And versus, Every every sort of redeeming or virtuous action in this movie mm-hmm. is motivated by someone resisting the family they were born into. The, the pull of that. The, yeah, the yeah. pull of, of you're one of us, mm-hmm. so you need to be like us. Um, like, yeah, anytime, anytime anybody other than the, the protagonist, the protagonist is the outsider who's uh, basically an orphan, right? That's how they set her up. Mm-hmm. So she has, like, no guests at the wedding. Right. Um the, the aside from her, any other character who's who does anything good, it's it's them fighting back against um, the sort of the default of just going with what their family wants them to right. do. Right, and I think there's some interesting wrinkles in that as far as some of the um, the folks who married into the family mm-hmm. and how they are choosing that family versus another path. Yeah, right. Um, but I yeah, but I definitely do think that that is a, a theme that is explored a bit in the film. All right, I think that's the themes. I think is this the part where we now say okay, spoiler warning. We're gonna yeah, for sure we're gonna start spoiling the movie now. Yeah, to the to even more than we already have. Yeah. Um, but but I I feel like the the next segment is one that we are like this close to abandoning. We've we've pretty much already agreed to change it. So that we don't always stick to this one gimmick, but right. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring back the gimmick for one more episode because I think we actually have one or two that work. Well, one comes to mind for this movie, and that is the rich man poor man gimmick. Because mm-hmm. um, we talked about it after coming out of the movie, which it's not exactly rich man poor man. It's more like sophisticated versus trashy. Mm-hmm. But I think this movie is sort of a trashier version of Get Out. Absolutely, yes. Get Out is this sophisticated, uh, nuanced take that that has something to say. Get Out definitely was a movie that was talking about, you know, race relations in our society. Yep. Um, And, like, the experience of being a person of color in, you know, a white-dominated environment and... and, and 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 lots of things about how white people perceive black people, right? Um, and it had all this stuff on its mind. Uh, and this movie, I think, has a lot less on its mind. I think those themes we just talked about, they are in the movie, but, right. you know, they're not really... It's not like that's why they made this movie, right? right. To, to talk about those themes. This movie's about watching a woman get chased around a house with lots of deadly weapons and super creepy, a super creepy family with, like, weird uh, sort of ritualistic sort of roots mm-hmm. uh, and just, you know, and grisly deaths and all that. Um, but uh, but, they're, but they are very similar movies, just structurally, right? Oh, absolutely. You've got the outsider brought into the family, something seems a little off, and they sort of gradually uncover more and more to make them realize that this is not a safe place. Right. They need to get out of here. And in some ways it's funny, like, if, if Get Out did not exist, 
you could easily imagine the title of this movie being like get, get out. out oh right? for sure yeah um and so there's a there's a similar impetus like in both movies where our hero realizes they're they're trapped inside of a house with a family that's not to be trusted and so much of the momentum of the film is like how do i get out of here yeah right yeah um and so, yeah, but this, uh, to your point, I think one of the differentiating factors I'd call out is obviously Get Out was written written and directed by Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. So it represents sort of like a singular fixation that he has and a particular approach to right. the material. This movie was directed by two people and written by two other people, mm-hmm. right? And so it just, it just seems unlikely that it can singularly represent like a, a core deep obsession in the it's same not like way. the statement of an artist right. right it's um a collaborative creation that w- up you know well let's just say for the sake of discussion that four different people mm-hmm. created and in some ways you're not going to get the same sort of deeply personal point of view that a movie like get out offers um and i think that that's fine right like yeah. i i liked this movie yeah, yeah not every movie needs to have a big statement, you know, right. at its core. And so, but I do think as far as the rich man, poor man or sophisticated, unsophisticated access, yeah, 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 that's why this movie might be a little less sort of nuanced or sophisticated in its thinking. Yeah. But definitely, uh, as originally envisioned, the, the rich man, poor man idea was like to, to compare quality of movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think get out is a superior film, you know, definitely would stand a greater chance of like winning an award and things like that. But this movie's a this is a well made movie. I I, mm-hmm. I would absolutely recommend it to someone. It's like almost as if someone was like, I want to watch a scary movie that's kind of, you know, where the main character is sort of pulled into this world, and and sort of like gradually learns more and more about this this situation they're in, how they got to get out of there. Yep. Um, that'd be really hyper specific for a person to be in the mood to watch <laughs> yeah. that structure, but. There would be clearly at least two films that satisfied that, uh, you know, that description and get out would be like, are you in the mood to sort of think, you know, and be and be challenged and leave the movie sort of like chewing on what it gave you to think about? Or do you just kind of want to turn your mind off and have a good time? Right. Right. And uh, this is the movie you'd go to if you want to turn your mind off and have a good time. Yep. And I did. And I did. Absolutely. So... Let's talk about our, like, the highlights, favorite parts of the movie. Hmm. It's funny. Um, and here we can talk about some of the funny stuff. Too. Yeah, we're, we're going to start spoiling some stuff. Um, so this is a movie where, for some reason, I don't like to compare it with Get Out. I legitimately was not confident that the main character in Get Out would survive the film. Uh-huh. Right? Right. For some reason, I was totally confident that our protagonist in Ready or Not was going to survive. Yeah. And so... Um, I mean, again, it goes back to, you know, having its roots in, like, uh, whatever, like, Freddy Krueger, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream. Like, I guess like, that might be a bad comparison because I think some of the... I don't actually remember who lives and dies in those movies, but normally there's, like, a main character who survives. Right. Because because in the end, the, the way they leave you at the end is like it's a feel it's a good feeling. Right. You're like really you're really in the same way that the you have that like mini structure of, you know, 
tension and then joke to relieve the tension. Right. And then scares and then humor to relieve the tension. Yeah. The whole movie, I feel like, follows that structure, too, of, like, in the end, you have to leave with the... You're super relieved. Right. Nev right. Campbell survives at the yeah. end of the screen, right? And so with this one, I was like, there's not a lot of people to survive this, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it would be a pretty big bummer, in my estimation, if only her husband her like newlywed husband oh, survived yeah. right and so i was like she's gonna live and this is really just a matter of how do we get through this mm-hmm. right and so i think about seeing so it's funny i did not enjoy this scene probably as much as some of the other ones but um like a, the sequence where she fully fully uh grasps the horror of her situation for the oh, first yeah, time because the because the the helper gets shot right um oh is that that is actually um that's actually not quite the scene that i'm thinking about i do think put it this way i'm thinking of the scene in the in the barn in the stable oh okay right where so the spoilers begin now um so there's a sequence where she has found a way to get out of the house right mm-hmm. And is still largely unhurt, right? She makes it all the way to a, the barn, and then, in a short series of moments, gets shot in the hand mm-hmm. by a child, falls, punches said child in the face, <laughs> falls down a garbage chute into a pile of corpses, climbs out of the garbage chute, and takes her bullet pierced hand and gets pierced again by a nail head mm-hmm. right that's sticking out right and like drags her body out of this pit and that whole sequence sort of to me uh, is so memorable because it goes from her I think having this feeling like maybe this is all gonna be okay right maybe yeah to like this is the worst night in the history of human existence right like yeah um and something about that sequence is so memorable because she walks into the stable clean mm-hmm. and unharmed and emerges utterly broken by the events that have taken place in yeah, that barn. Yeah, her hand is utterly broken, right? that's for sure. And so, um, and obviously, I mean, well, utterly broken, maybe overstating it because she goes on to survive and <laughs> and yeah. dominate these idiots. But, um, but so that scene's but that scene really stu- it just stood out as being so memorable to me because it um, the the fall is so precipitous and so fast and like the the dawning on her that this is absolutely a ruthless you know killer be killed yeah. situation um, nobody nobody is gonna come and kindly help you it's so it's it's interesting to me I I liked that scene too. But hearing you talk about it like it's this big turning point, um, I get that she goes in. It's the first time she gets physically harmed. Mm-hmm. But like to me, the the very clear turning point is just when she realizes what's happening. Yeah, because she's, in the bedroom. Because she's like sort of, she hides for a little bit, and then she's like, all right, I'm done hiding. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go sort of like find the first family member I can and sort of say like, oh, you found me, right? Yeah, yeah. That's kind of her attitude. And then... Her, her her husband finds her and he's just like hey get down and then and then suddenly she realizes like there's a gunshot this helper is been shot in the head 
and she hears them set, talking about her like, oh, you shot the wrong person. And, and this is when she's realizing she thought that was me. Mm-hmm. They're trying to kill me. And I felt like that scene was really effective of just, yeah. it's not played for, well, it is played for laughs a little bit later in the scene. But like the initial thing is yeah. just focusing on her, you know, putting her hand on her mouth. Yeah. Just like thinking, you know, she's gone from, thinking that she just got married her new life is beginning she's joining this family and they're just doing this fun thing yeah to like my life is in danger this is completely different from what i thought it was right um to me that's like the turning point and then from there it's like yeah it's scary now you know from here on out it's scary um but it definitely escalates with the barn because because she she sees a kid and she thinks you know the kid's not in on it but then of course he is right for me I think in the bet to me the reason that the barn sequence is important I think you're right that the the biggest turn is in that bedroom but to me the reason the barn sequence is important and I think we can agree that they're both very excellent scenes is that um, in the bedroom she feels like she has a partner. Right. Mm-hmm. She feels like she and her husband are going to get through this thing together. That's, in fact, like exactly what he's telling her. Yeah. Right. And I feel like in the barn, we, the viewer and she both realize like she is alone. Right. Huh. There's nobody to like nobody's helping her. Right. Um, but why? Why do you think she realizes that in the barn? Because he's I mean, at that point in the movie, he is still on her side. He's he's trying to like. I forget what exact. Uh, maybe he's been like knocked unconscious. He's been, I think, uh, he's tied still like up on her po- side at point. that point, such that like if she's able to connect with him, he would help her. Right, but I think to, from from my point of view, like, ain't nobody coming into that barn to help her out of that hole. Sure, right. Yeah. She has to climb out on her own. Mm-hmm. Right, and to me that that is scarier than we we are going to get through this. She's like, I have to get through yeah. this. Yeah, right. Um, so those, those are two noteworthy scenes. Um, I, I can think of a few more that I think are worth mentioning for sure. Yeah. Um, let's, let's kind of close with this. Just name the last few highlights. Cause yeah, really quickly where Adam, where Adam Brody betrays the family. Yeah. Yeah. I, was a very memorable sequence because it's somebody who's acting basically with honor mm-hmm. in a way. And I feel like they set that up pretty well. Yeah. It's like he clearly, is kind of a better person than the rest of them, but he's still, you know, he's still a little selfish. Like, he still wants to do... He wants to stay in the family and, like, not die, of course. Right. But in that scene, it's kind of like the thing they've been planting the seeds of, of he's, mm. he's, he's like, a little bit disdainful of them and also got a little bit of a just, like, F all this attitude. Right. And that's where it sort of gets realized, and he's like, I just decided to, you know, like... Go against the family, even right. though there's a good chance that means we're all going to die. Right. Um, but I just found that to be a really useful, like really not useful, um, actually powerful moment because there's not a lot of moments in the film of people, aside from Grace herself, like mm-hmm. of people behaving with any sort of bravery. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I, it was just refreshing for there to be another instance of that in the film. And then... And sure I, enough, he dies for it. Right. But... <laughs> Obviously, uh, but yeah, everybody per, else per the ending, and so that to me, the ending is obviously like uh, an extremely rewarding payoff. It's, right? I mean, it's just so funny, right? right? Like, and she even her character even starts laughing. You know, they they basically have said 
the whole premise of this is like, if we don't kill you, we're all going to die when the sun rises, because that's like this deal that our like ancestor made yeah, with, with, a, with the devil. With it turns out is basically the devil. Yeah. Um, and I think they, they play it, you know, there's definitely mentioned throughout of like, do you really believe that? You know, like some of them doubt it, like the husband and, and the brother. Yeah. Um, uh, but they're like, but it happened, you know, like it happened to this other family to or whatever. So and so. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, we're pretty sure it's true. Um, but then when, you know, when the sun comes out and like nobody dies at first, yeah, you totally expect it to be like, oh, this is when the sort of curtain is, is pulled away and they realize this has all been this false premise and they're monsters for having done this. Right. And then I guess it's the ant who blows up first. She just explodes in a disgusting a shower of, of blood. Viscera. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, whoa. Okay. So it was real. And they are all about to explode now. Right. And just one after another, they all blow up and blood's flying everywhere. Which is just kind of great. And I think it ends with maybe the... Well, the second to last person, I think, is the father. Who's, yeah. Who's, like, pleading with the... He's like, you know, like... I did everything right. Yeah, I did everything right, so spare me. And he's, like, begging the devil, essentially, right. to spare him. And then his body blows up. And, uh, and it's pretty great. Um, do you think... Uh, is maybe like last question of the episode. Do you think it undermined the message at all? I, I mean, meaning, like basically, even if you don't think they were right, they like were kind of justified in wanting to kill her because they really all were about to die. Right, and I think uh, to me the line that hammers home the road not taken is Adam Brody. There's a few different examples, but Adam Brody at one point is like, "We deserve to die." Yeah. Right. Like. We are valuing our own existence uh, in this sort of tortured, awful existence that we have mm-hmm. over being, you know, like the decency to other human beings. Like the things, yeah, the things we're willing to do. Right. To preserve this. And the fact that our indefense. Um, Grace's husband, Alex, doesn't tell her, right? And just lets her right. marry right. into this family. And he's like, if I told you, you would have left. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. Yeah, she would have right, yep. and you yep. didn't give her the choice, right? You didn't you didn't give her enough information to make an informed choice, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's like, on one hand, sure, in a twisted way, they are justified, but frankly, they should op- they should operate in such a way that they don't put other people in this situation, and they just flatly refuse to change their lives in that way. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's similar to my own thinking about it in my head, how I would answer it too, which is they might be sort of quote unquote justified for trying to kill her like, like locally, Mm -hmm. you know, because otherwise they're going to die. But, but zooming out globally, their whole existence is based on a very immoral. It's like in in the same way back to like when you make a bargain, Mm -hmm. you know, with the devil to sort of achieve what you have, then everything after that, any attempts to preserve it might seem justified local to the circumstance, mm-hmm. but like you're in a glo- you're in a global situation that is that is based on immoral actions, which I think does translate nicely to thinking about you know wealth in our society and how people who might have a level of wealth that yeah. is that Inher- has that inherited has, yeah and has been acquired through inhumanity. Right. They might sort of 
want to preserve that wealth and that might be understandable. Yep. But like the wealth was not attained through moral behavior. Right. And so, so like the, the efforts to preserve the wealth and and thinking like, Oh, they're trying to take what's, what's ours, you know, Mm -hmm. is like, it's not really yours in a, it's not really yours in a, in a way that you can morally defend. Right. Or even if you yourself weren't responsible, like they, the characters in the movie, they're not the ones who made the bargain, but for you to maintain that wealth requires, yeah, your participation in this immoral behavior, Mm -hmm. right? You can't, you can't stay clean and keep what you've got. So you got to make a choice and they all do. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I, I kind of like the angle that there's really, um, it's not like they don't really have a, any good options in front of them if you look at them as individuals you know like right like your choices are basically you keep killing people to preserve your life well, it's extremely obvious or they, sh- they should not get married well sure that's that's the out in this but that's that's like I, f- I feel like the movie doesn't really explore that option very right much. It, it might be alluded to but like but but you either preserve yourself or you sacrifice yourself at this point. Like, you know, for them to sort of end the cycle, they would just have to choose not to kill this person Mm -hmm. and then they will all die. Yep. So, um, I think, and I, I don't know if I don't, I think there might be some like legitimate parallels to that in the real world where there might be people, whether it's like the degree of wealth they have or the power they have where it's like, they can't really, maintain it and have like the be on the moral high ground right they would have to give it up to sort of to to sort of you know be square with with fate you know right and with with karma is it maybe i feel like it's orwell but maybe i'm getting it wrong but the quote where it's like somebody um, being able to convince a man of something uh is difficult when his Fashion is to not believe it. I'm getting the quote wrong, but like yeah, yeah. yeah I think uh, I'm also gonna get the quote wrong, but I think I might be a little closer. It's it, there's a quote that's like it is very difficult for a man to understand something when his livelihood depends on him not understanding it. Yep, that's right. Yeah, um, and I feel like that is um, partly you know represented in this film right where these people to maintain their quality of life have to not conceive of other choices that they could make that would be more humane to other people around them but would potentially not allow them to have everything they want Mm -hmm. and it's like well i want everything that i want and so i'm just gonna like sacrifice other people on that altar right Yeah. yeah um so yeah and the uh so yeah it's a really really rewarding ending for sure and really, really just funny. Really funny. I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so I feel like we're rushing a little bit at the end, but we do have to go. Mm-hmm. So the last question is, uh, we're just going to s- skip the fix the movie part, but I think that's fine because I don't think there was a whole lot. It's it's sh- not a whole lot I would have fixed. It's short. I love short movies. Yeah, it's short and sweet and yep. entertaining. Um, I'm sure we could have talked about some stuff, but let's just skip right over that. Would you beam it up? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no, too. Yeah, it's, it's like, a good movie. On one hand, I'm like, it's early in the year, but it's not. It's not that. I mean, I, I honestly think even if this came out in January, I just would, you know, 
we don't have a specific number. We don't have like any right. specific set criteria. But but I just think like basically the ones we should beam up are the ones that are going to be like the best of the yeah. year. You know, not the best ten, not the best five, just just the best. And I don't feel like this movie is really in that stratosphere. Stratosphere, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, but I mean, it's great. I'm super happy we saw it. Yeah, to but me. No, we don't need to send it to the astronaut. Yeah, to me, the open question, uh, like, with the comparison point would be, like, is this as good as Upgrade from last year, right? Like, small so. budget, punching over its weight, I don't genre think it's film. As, I don't think it's as special as Upgrade was. Right, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, Although, still liked it quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, that's Ready or Not. Thanks for listening. I am Dan. I'm Adam. See you next time. See ya. See ya.